Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. And unfortunately, Redmond, we're also talking about uh, hospital experiences because you've had quite the week from hell. And as I look at you on our uh, Zoom call at the moment, the beard's looking a bit dishevelled. The face is looking redder than usual. Can you just talk me through the last few days of uh, your hospital experience? I even got a pimple that showed up, Patrick. That's how I, <laughs> I don't usually get pimples. Oh, I had a pretty ordinary week this week, and all I wanted. It was a week off Real Adventures because we do 50 a year, but the producer, Brooksy, said, no, you're alive, you drive. So I had to beat. <laughs> they were all right. They said, I'm We are a ju- Aaron, yes. let me make this very clear. This radio show is a juggernaut. Just it go- is an unstoppable force. And even when it meets an immovable object like your good self, we just keep on plowing through. So regardless of how uh, severe – <laughs> your hang on let me go through it collapsed lung pneumonia what was the other one it starts with uh pleurisy so the pneumonia is turning to pleurisy in my lungs and then my right lungs collapsed from all that so i was in <laughs> hospital pretty much all week which i went in with a bag with my laptop in it just expecting to be home because i had a little bit of chest pain thought that i might have been over exaggerating a little bit but meanwhile i was on the ground screaming on the ground Kari told me basically to harden up, so I ended up getting mum to drive me in and uh, found out that I was pretty much screwed, so stuffed Kari and yelling at me, so I got myself out of that one pretty nicely, but nah, it is what it is, deal with it, there's worse people off in this world, I'm going to be doing my best to avoid that COVID thing that's hanging around, because I reckon that might try and knock me around a bit more if I get that one, but I um, nah, I'm alright, we'll be right, and uh, there's plenty of fishing news to talk about. There is plenty of fishing news. Now, you haven't been out on the water, uh, but that of course, water, Wayne The Blake, water's just all in my lungs, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Wayne Blake has been. Uh, talk us through your weekend fishing and what you would be targeting this week. We've obviously had a really challenging week with weather, but for those Vic- Victorian bound, and we will get to the rest of the states in just a moment, but those Victorian fishermen, what are we targeting this week? Certainly, given the the crazy weather that we've had and the really uh, strong winds. Well, you've just got to be mindful, and all our reports are going to be based off your restrictions with COVID. Even our announcements later with what goes around in the state, I don't – all different rules and regs. So stick to your rules and your regs. But I've had some contacts fishing down the bottom end of Victoria – sorry, down the bottom end of Port Phillip Bay in Victoria, fishing really, really well at the moment for those whiting. So they're still there. And we did get a lot, even though it was a little bit windy, we did get a bit of a drop in swell. 
and that means the calamari come out. So they're fishing well too. Western Port fish well right down south once again for the whiting and the calamari as well. And Gwaine is within his five-kilometre limit to get out to go fishing in Western Port. So he's been doing more of the land-based side of things, so land-based whiting, land-based gummy shark. So he's not putting the boat in as such, but he's doing the, the land-based thing of a night. So he's having a, having a lot of success doing that. So like I said earlier, stick to your uh, stick to your rules and regs, do the right thing because being fortunate enough to be able to go fishing, I'll take it at the moment. I'll give you that. The Hopkins River uh, has seen some really good brim on uh, the Z-Man grub, fish up to nearly half a metre, the 50-centimetre range. Uh, you spoke about the big whiting. They continue to go well, Redmond in Port Phillip Bay. There's some calamari around. How are you targeting those calamari? Because obviously at the moment, if you're fishing in close, it's going to be quite difficult to spot the eggs. So where are the where's the, the best port of call in order to, to hit those spots when you can't get the great visibility? So there has been early signs of a few eggs popping up, which is good to see, but we are still a bit early for them, uh, for the eggs as such. And like you said before, the weather has made things on the difficult side. But what I'd like to use this time of the year and throughout the whole squid season as such is I like to use baited jigs, and we speak about that all the time. And it's just a jig spike. You can buy it probably from the servo for a few dollars, and you put your Tommy Ruff or your salmon silver whiting on the end of it, and the squid will come up and attack that. You can either use it as a teaser without the spike in it and have the, have the calamari actually come up in numbers and then drop your squid jig down by pulling it away and pick off the calamari. But this time of the year, definitely your baited jigs. Uh, when I say baited jigs, go back to what I said, salmon or whatnot on your baited spike jig is what you want to be using because you've got to get the conditions right and it's hard to get them right this time of the year with the swell and the wind. Even though this week the swell was down, Few captures caught, not in huge numbers, but they're in good size. So you, you will get your 10, but you're not doing it in 10, 20, 30 minutes. You're doing it in a couple of hours. So well worth having a look, though, Pat. Seriously, like there's some really, really good squid around. So if you if you are allowed out there, go get them. South Australia was starting to see uh, some good signs of uh, salmon turning up along most beaches with that weather warming up. Casting metal lures has generally been the preferred method uh, with targeting them, and obviously, Aaron, you're targeting those those gutters along your major surf beaches, whether um, you know if it's within sort of casting range. Yeah, you spot on the gutters are the key, and like I've always said, sunglasses wearing a polarized pair of sunnies is a key for me. Uh, just a good pair; it'll break the difference up in the water, so you can actually see where the gutters are running with the colours. So it'll be obviously, if it's in a rip as such, it might be dirtier, but if it's in a cleaner sort of gutter, it will be bluer, and it's often where the waves aren't. But the best way to do it as well is just get up high. So South Australia got some magnificent coastline. You get up high, which means you've got to actually walk down the stairs to get there, which is a pain in the backside. But if you get up nice and high, you can actually look over the water and you'll be able to see uh, possibly the salmon schooling up in itself, but also you'll be able to see the gutters much, much easier. And if you come just back towards uh, the Vic border, Patrick, Port Mac once again, fishing really, really, really well for those barrel bluefin too. So uh, it's in South Australia. We often head down there as a Victorian. We often head there a hell of a lot to chase these tuna. Uh, unfortunately, I can't get there at the moment. I'd love to be, but good on the guys down there. Brilliant fish, well over the 100 kilo mark. Lures are working really well, and also a few few guys are dropping the pillies in too in there, and that's working just as well too. So some seriously good fishing out of Port McDonald at the moment.
There's been some thumping whiting from the lower York Peninsula of late as well, with fish reaching close to the 60 centimetre mark, which is incredible, but not necessarily unusual if you fish York Peninsula before. Redmond heading to New South Wales. Now, obviously, um, there's been significant uh, repercussions from the COVID lockdowns, but there's some great snapper that have been landed inside of Port Hacking with fish up to sort of the 70 centimetre range uh, on fresh squid and pillies. And there's also Taylor Redmond as well. Yeah, there is. And it's known as the runway. And there is literally, it's like clockwork at the moment through there. Every day between 4.30 and 5.30, the Taylor are coming up on the surface. And I reckon there's that low light where that sun's starting to drop. They're coming up and they're doing their feeding on the surface like crazy. Now, I wouldn't be going with your best your best lure to throw it and pat. I wouldn't be going in with anything more than a few dollars worth because, once again, they've got super sharp teeth. So be mind- mindful for that. Some people really enjoy eating Taylor, but not only that, they make a really good offshore bait for your snapper and gummies and whatnot as well. So plenty, plenty of action happening on the surface, standing in the runway. Would you use um, – would you be likely to tear up your your leader or potentially use wire traces when you're fishing for Taylor like that? For me, 40 pounds straight up. Just go st- – I wouldn't be running – like a lot of people when they chase salmon and whatnot, they'd like to go light, 8-pound leader, 10-pound leader. For me, when I'm targeting salmon and Taylor, for instance, it's often about getting the fish in. So it's about bait or – for me, it's more bait, especially the yep. salmon side of it. So I tend to go up to that 40-pound leader straight away. And when I get up to that 40-pound leader – you still get they're 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 feeding in a frenzy pat, so they're not like going to be sitting there looking at your looking at your your line like you're casting your structure for brim and whatnot, where you got what chance of one fish. These fish are jumping like mad, and they'll eat forty pound leader, no worries. And you are not going to get bit off on forty pound leader on Taylor unless it's a seriously big Taylor with big teeth. Fishing offshore, Cornell's seen some great snapper as well with catches up to eighty centimeters. Uh, with first and last light being the optimal bite time, slowly sinking down that pilchard and squid. They're doing the damage at the moment. A nice burly trail also helps with that. Moving to Western Australia, there's been some great spangled emperor which are being caught off Mackerel Island. Um, vexed Oki heads are going really well, Redmond, with that weighted head with a plastic body um, with the hooks. They're fishing well and the best way to target them. Yeah, they are a nice heavy head, so you can get them down there in W in WA there, and it, that they'll catch everything. Uh, they'll literally. I know you used them up in Cairns, and you actually you didn't have that much. Use them off group. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they do. They do work really, really well. And when I say used, you might not have been used that specific brand. It might have been something else. But they that whole sort of oki everything eats calamari and octopus. So if you can intimidate it, intimidate it. In, <laughs> wrong word. If you so if you can literally get the exact same, uh, I guess whatever they're feeding on when they're on those reefs, they're feeding on those calamari, those octopus that are living in the structure. Imitate. And, what's that? Imitate. Yeah, if you can imitate what's on the reef, yeah. So the the okies and the squid, if you imitate what you, what you're <laughs> out, what you, what's living on the reef, you can actually have good success in catching pretty much every single species of fish because there's pretty much not one species of anything that doesn't eat calamari or uh, calamari or octopus. There's been some great reports out of Garden Island, which is fishing well. There's been really good 
uh, snapper caught there up to sort of nine kilo, which is quite extraordinary. Uh, and heading down to Tassie, um, there's been some good fish caught out of Tassie at the moment as well, Redmond. Yeah, the Taylor. So what is also known as the tail race, which is an area where we get a where they get a really good run of sea trout uh, coming in very regularly at the moment, which is good this time of the year. So six pound fish, even bigger at times. Uh, I know you do. You love your, your your sea run trout, Patrick. I know you've had a couple of chances around locally here, but there are. I think they're sort of an iconic fish to catch as a trout fisherman, isn't isn't it? Certainly is absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I um I've seen some photos of them sitting in the currents in the actual salt water, like right on the verge where the water runs out, and the photos in Tassie, and that's pretty that's pretty cool to see. And out of Hadspen River, a reserve, they've been also fishing crazy the the uh, trout through that area as well, using bait, fly, and even slow trolling Tassie devils has all worked really really well. So the trout fishing through the winter months of Tassie, it's something you and I must do pretty soon if you hurry up and finish footy. We're chatting to Mark Weagle a little later in the show from Millbrook Lakes, and we'll be talking trout fishing. Speaking of the trout, Redmond, the season opens up uh, in the next week, I think it is, which will be great to see along that sort of Otway coastal region that's been closed for a while now. Once again, we're balancing off how much rain and crazy weather there's been. Give it an extra few days to sort of settle down, but it'll be a really good time to go out there and whether you're using selters and, and casting or if you're going to take the fly up through the Otway Ranges, some really nice streams in order to catch some what are generally brown trout. You don't see too many rainbows along there, do you, Redmond? Well, fingers crossed that you're away for a few more weeks with the grand final hopefully coming and I might venture down and visit your old man if I'm allowed to and see if he can take me uh, take me through the ropes of the Otways. It's always good fun heading in there with your old, with your old man. He loves dodging tiger snakes. <laughs> We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way. We're missing half a host. He's got one lung, so he's going <laughs> to hang in there for a little while longer. Plenty more to come on Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club. We take your questions from social media. We're giving away real brand gear every single week, a fishing top and a fishing hat. So send in your questions to our Real Adventures socials or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. The first question is from Joel. Red, what is your preferred everyday go-to knot? It's a good question. Uh, I'm going to have to say everyday go-to would have to be the double uni knot. Uh, it's quick, very easy, and very strong. Now, catch a lot of bluefin tuna out the front, school bluefin on it, uh, all my gummy sharks, all my come all off this knot. My whiting all come off this knot. Now, it's like I said, it's quick and easy to do, but the heavier the braid, the chunk – oh, sorry, the heavier the braid and the leader you use, the chunkier the knot gets. So as an everyday knot, that's the go-to, but – it wouldn't hurt to learn a knot like, for example, the PR knot or FG knot if you are into your casting, say, for the casting rods for tuna. So if you've got a bungee cast on your line and you want to cast out to the schools of tuna, I don't recommend running this knot because it doesn't run through your guides very smoothly, Pat. So double uni is good for your normal fishing, but definitely spend time learning a couple of casting knots as well to help improve with your catch rate. Next one's from Cameron. G'day, boys. Love the show. Uh, with snapper season not too far away, would you be inclined to spend big money on a snapper rack or would you buy the three-way 
rod holders that you can get from Anaconda. Cheers, Cameron. I loved the three-way rod holders. Growing up, that's all I ever had. It was cheap and easy. They were only – you could get a set for like 60 bucks from a, a tackle store or whatever, BCF or Anaconda. Now – So that's fine then. It, like, it's fine. Surely that's – you know, that's as – is that the problem as with far it, as the answer needs to get when you're no, spending $60 and versus spending a couple of thousand dollars on custom-made stainless that depending on the size of the boat that you've got, if you wrap it around, it can be, one, difficult to store unless you're keeping problem, it up the whole time. The problem with those three ways is there's a few you can get, you can change your angles. You never get the angle right, the angle right, the angle right. Now, the reason I say that is if you're in Portfolio Bay, I'm just going to go with – a stupidly high number because it's just always wind against the tide somewhere. <laughs> but eighty percent of the time, you're always favouring one side of the, ro- the one side of the boat. And I a hundred percent believe by running those extra snapper racks around the boat for snapper will catch you more fish, rather than having lines going under the boat. So you tend to bridle up and try and favour away. And I always definitely run more rods on the way that the tide's running than I do against the tide. So. You can get them a bit cheaper than what you've sort of stated as well. You can get they do get pricey. Don't get me wrong, but I for me, if you're a snapper fisherman, you want to catch more fish. It's definitely you can even get ones that wrap around your boat, Pat, that are already pre-made. Uh, that that probably could work, and that would be cheaper than getting custom as well. So there's a few options, but I like I run five on each side of my boat, and sometimes every rod is out of that side of the boat because I just physically can't run them out of yeah. the same starboard side, for example, because the tide's pulling towards port. So it's yeah. I definitely think it is a uh, it is a go to for snapper. It will it will catch you more fish in my opinion. We continue to go with the more expensive option every time we're asked about. Do you go <laughs> the the cheaper off the shelf unit versus the custom made stainless steel set? I'm always trying to save the punters a dollar. That's my number one rule. That one, but yeah, no, we've don't look at my boat then. <laughs> Paul, g'day boys. I love the show. I've seen Red pulling in some whiting uh, and whiting after whiting for a few weeks now. Uh, we're not getting anything. What's his secret to keeping his burly pot on the bottom, which he talks about a lot on Salt Guide, in that strong tide? Yeah, so I've seen a lot of – I'm fishing obviously down south a lot for these whiting when I was allowed to fish, let's be honest. But I was fishing a lot down south in the strong tide and – I get all the punters rocking up around me, all coming out trying to have a great day catching fish, and I'm, I harp on it all the time. you got to have burley for whiting. It catches you so many more fish. But there's no point in having a burley cage that you buy stock from the tackle store with the lead weight in it, filling it up with pillies, smashing it, and dropping it in the water because you may as well have a float on it and we have it on the surface because the tide's so strong, it literally pulls your burley pot up off the bottom. So I run dive weights, so 1.5 kilo dive weights, I run two of those in my burley cage and I'm fishing down south. For me, the heavier, the better. The more it's on the bottom, the better. I don't want it to be drifting off up as the tide gets stronger. Another key factor to keep your burley pot down is the size of your rope. Don't go running a boat rope like that you tie up to the tie up at the jetty with when you park you you park going to park the car. I just literally from Bunnings, you can get your builder's rope that are it's, it's really thin. It's really thin, yeah. and you can get yeah. them up to 50 metres, and it's quite strong. And I've never had a break in my life. So for me, it's about running thin, thin rope and adding the extra dive weights to the burly cage because the whiting feet on the bottom, so that's where you want your burly and your baits, obviously, Pat. 
Beautiful work. That wraps up the social club. Cameron, congratulations. Get in contact with us, sending your sizing, and we'll send out a real brand fishing top and hat to you. Up next, Mark Weigel from Millbrook Lakes. Gearing up for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. We're chatting to Mark Weigel from Millbrook Lakes. Good morning, Mark. Hello, Pat. How are you? You're going to say Weigel, aren't you? I just like to stare you with that. I'm going to say Weigel, <laughs> but that's, all right. that's, only been, that's only been five years. So. Well, it was... It was it was mildly planted this time. Um, uh, it was. Oh. I was. I'm going can... with it wasn't because I asked Pat what your last name was, and I've written down Weagle too, Pat. So I reckon you made a blue and corrected it on the last second. It's not about what you write down. It's how you pronounce <laughs> it, Ant. Now let's talk about Millbrook Lakes because it's less than an hour and a half from Melbourne, and obviously it's been such a challenge uh, with fishermen nationally not being able to from to move from state to state. It's obviously been a big challenge, Redmond, with uh, the great fishing that we see along the east coast of New South Wales. But for those Victorian-bound that want to get into trout fishing or have never experienced it before, Millbrook Lakes is a great introduction to catching some monster fish and learning how to fly fish, Mark. Yes. Um, we have all been in the same boat as far as being restricted where we can travel and can't go. Um, but we've set ourselves up with Millbrook um, we've really developed it over the last couple of years. Um, we've got 30-odd private fisheries up here now, five fly fishing guides, um, as you say, an hour, hour and a half from Melbourne. Uh, we do day trips, we do overnighters, we do groups of one, we do corporate days. Um, we get people out into the water. Those who've never fly fished before, we teach them. Those who have fly fished before, we guide them. But the idea of the day is to uh, to teach people how to fly fish and hopefully get them onto a fish by the end of the day. Just now, to Aaron, talk about fish, the fish size. Now, I know people want to catch trophy trout. What's the range of the fish actually in your lakes? Size. Well, we've got a little bit of a predicament because where we live is so incredibly fertile that we have problems having fisheries where the fish remain at a smaller size. From our side, we'd rather have small fish in a couple of bodies of water where people have, you know, if they hook a fish, they've got a chance of landing it. But we've had to actually overstock a few of the fisheries to keep the size down. So Cabin Lake, for instance, is probably two to four pounds, but we've got fisheries now that oh, they'd have fish getting close to 14, 15 pounds. Oh, yeah. Yep. So... Cabin Lake, which if you go to millbrooklakes.com.au, is what you'll see. It's a beautiful-looking lodge over the water. It's literally situated on it. You've now got more accommodation there as well, Mark. Yes, one advantage of lockdown. So we've actually upgraded the entire kitchen through the place and then we've built a, a new standalone accommodation, which is a couple of bedrooms and a, and a bathroom. Everyone still uses the same shared facilities in the lodge, but... Yeah, we've taken it to the next level. Mark, with trout traditionally being a winter sort of species in Victoria, when I say that, obviously they go deep during the summer months for that cooler water and whatnot. How do you find the fishery with your lakes? How deep do they get? And and what's the all-year-round fishing, all all fishing like on Millbrook? 
Well, the optimum months are spring and autumn, of course, with your mayfly hatches and insect activity and the water's cool, like you correctly say. Um, middle of winter, we obviously have no water temperature issues, but the bug life isn't there. And in the height of summer, um, we're quite fortunate with a few of them in that we can uh, keep them topped up with bore water. So bore up our way, the water comes out of the ground about 12 degrees. So the optimum range for a trout is, I don't know, 12 to 18, 19 degrees. So we've managed to overcome that heat problem with some of the fisheries with the introduction of water. It's it's fascinating the the process that you've gone through, Mark, in order to to build what is Millbrook Lakes. Can you talk us through that evolution and how long it's been going for? Because it it isn't something that's just appeared uh, overnight. It's been a labour of love for you for a long period of time to get it to a stage now where it's really well renowned. It's obviously incredibly accessible, and you have the ability to to cater for people that have never fly fished before to those that do want to catch that 10 pound trophy fish and you can do it you know all within uh, you know relatively cro- close proximity of each other so i won't go into too much detail because i'll bore everyone to tears but i started guiding in about 1997 and used to go to public waters go out and fish around newland hepburn all those sort of places um and take clients up and take them out guiding. The problem was you didn't you didn't feel comfortable that the fisheries were, especially back in those days, very good. So you weren't sure if you weren't using the right flies or the fish weren't actually there. So, and plus we used to come across a few people that you probably didn't want to come across. Um, so I decided to build a couple of lakes. And when I did it back in 1999, I was told I was crazy and I'd lost my mind and there were pensioner ponds and all that sort of stuff. Um, nevertheless, I pushed on and did what I did and we introduced the fishes fry and fingerlings, so they're effectively wild stock anyway. Um, and that allowed us fisheries where we knew that when we went there, one, we were the only people there, and two, I knew that the fisheries were well stocked and well managed, so our chances of catching a fish were a lot greater for the client. So... As you said at the top of the interview, we met about five years ago and you got me really excited around the ability to stock a, uh, a lake, which I did to a, a, a friend relatively close to Aries Inlet and that was probably two and a half, three years ago now. I've been astonished how quickly the fish have been able to grow in an environment. What's the, the ideal conditions for those that have got a dam in the backyard? You can't exactly just drop fish straight into it. Obviously, there's this huge amount of a research that goes into providing and building the appropriate environment. So when people come and stay and, and fish these lakes, they're, they're just beautiful. Well, there's a few factors. One is the soil type. So you'll find if it's a very clay country that's not terribly fertile, when you flood that with water, it's not going to be very fertile either. So we're lucky up here with a lot of volcanic soil. Elevation's pretty important, so we're at 600 metres. The highest bit of water we've got is at 690 metres, so we escape the summer heat um, and we overall get cooler temperatures. Water depth, so although places like Lake Windaree are only a bit over two metres deep, really you want to have four metres at the height of summer. Yep. 
and surface area and, and fertility as far as insect life and pin rushes and sort of semi-clear water. It doesn't have to be gin clear, but you do need clarity. What about I've found with the, the lakes that I've stocked or the one that there doesn't necessarily seem to be a huge amount of insect life, but it certainly seems like they've been, whether it's um, yabbies underneath that they might have been feeding on. What's the most unusual thing that you found your trout have sort of fed on that you then try and you're not necessarily trying to imitate them with fly, but you obviously are with insects? Um, look, nothing extraordinary on ours. Our waters are the traditional sort of mayfly, caddis, damsel nymphs, dragonflies, gambusia, which are the, the weirder fish that you and I have chased fish, chasing schools of. Um, look, there's really nothing terribly weird that's happened. We get a few weird terrestrials come in, like termites and lace wings and those sort of things that turn up every now and then. The odd cicada turned up last year, which was quite bizarre, something to do with global warming. Um, but, yeah, nothing really crazy. Now, Mark, you're telling me that I could come, when I say I, myself, and a couple of mates can come up to Millbrooks, give us a success rate on actually catching a trout. Now, this is my most one of my most hated questions in fishing because I get it a lot. We're going to catch today? We're going to do this? Well, I'll tell you what, if I'm coming to Millbrooks, am I going to catch today? Fly fishing? Of course, that's all we do. <laughs> I knew that to be a catch to it. So you're putting it down to my skills. Yeah, fly fishing. Oh, no, I'm just ensuring you're not going to have a curveball <laughs> with soft plastics or something. Um, I would say that assuming it's not a horrendous day in the middle of winter or a heat wave in the height of summer, the chances of someone catching a fish on their first day of fly fishing would be 90%. Ooh. Oh, better and Mark, my, better buy my Range Rover, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's our favourite question when we do talk fly fishing. What sort of vehicle do you drive? <laughs> um, Mark, you've often found you've said this to us before when you've had when we've had you on real adventures that uh, the ladies generally have the most success because they're the ones that listen compared to the blokes that come to Millbrook and think they know it all. And halfway through the day, they come crawling back and say, "Actually, can you talk us through?" what you were trying to explain when I wasn't listening earlier on in the day? Don't worry, Mark. Kari, my partner's not coming with me. Well, <laughs> I don't think I actually put it that way, but women tend to be very good at it because it's fly fishing so much about rhythm and timing. It's very little to do with strength. So women tend to be picking it up much quicker than men do, just, well, probably because they listen, but secondly, because they don't try and overcast a fly rod. So the key around coming to Millbrook, spending time with a guide is an investment in if you want to take fly fishing further because you'll develop those techniques and not learn big, um, you know, poor habits. That's the philosophy around it, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, we've got five guides at Millbrook with hundreds of years of experience from captains of the fly team to authors to whatever else that you will learn more in one day's fly fishing at Millbrook with us than you will trying to work it out on your own for 12 months. Yeah. So the easiest way to get in contact with you, obviously you've got a website, you've got a Facebook page. Now there is, um, you're quite well booked at the moment because it is so popular, but there are guides available given the fact, as you said, you've got five guides and an ability um, 
you know, to take people fishing um, in a range of different conditions and different lakes. Yeah, well, we've got 31 waters now. So we've got a huge variety of waters that we can go to. Um, we've also got three Murray cod fisheries coming through as well, which will all be fly only as, as well as the, the trout lakes. Um, but, yeah, with five guides and the, uh, the amount of water that we have access to, um, we'll always find a spot for anyone. When I come, I want to go to the good one. <laughs> They're all good. Don't worry about that. And how you pronounce Weigel. Mark Weigel, our special guest on Real Adventures this morning. If you want to get in contact with Mark or John, head to millbrooklakes.com.au for more information. There's names and numbers there in order to get in contact with the guys. And as we said before, you can stay there on the lake. You can get prided guided tours. And you can also bring up your family and friends as well once COVID relaxes, obviously. Mark, thank you for your time this morning on Real Adventures. No worries. See you, gents. It's time for Reg Review. And we're talking about trailering uh, off the back of our discussion uh, in our Seg 1 Redmond. We were talking about, uh, obviously, the success of Ram uh, that they've had in Australia. They're now offering cars that sort of tie up towards that four-and-a-half tonne mark. The release of the new Land Cruiser 300 series will see a three-and-a-half-ton payload continued. Um, there are tow packs available that you can add to the Land Cruisers, which will see you hit that sort of uh, four-ton mark. If you want to hit above that, though, in Australia, you're looking at sort of the conversions of your your Ford um, 150s and 250s, uh, and then you're obviously looking at trucks. I think one thing that's important to note, though, as we talk about how important um, – towability is often but Azusa have released their new ute during the week and they're spruiking the three and a half ton payload um the same as every other you know hilux fords etc um but you can't just buy these cars straight off the showroom floor and then attach a three and a half ton boat um to the back of it there's a few things that you need to consider and one of those is a red arc braking system which is our reg review for this morning because without it, it is illegal um, to tow your boat that's anything, um, you know, essentially above your sort of 700 kilo mark. Yeah, you're spot on. And it's, I think you nearly should have to have it on every boat, to tell you the honest truth, because it's going to cover your backside. I know rules and regs come in with weights, and it's over that. <laughs> it's going to complicate it here because it depends on your couplings and all this sort of size of when you actually by law, need to start having red arc brake. Well, when I say red arc, we're, we're talking about... A braking system. Yep. Yeah, the A braking system. We're talking about red arc because you and I both have this system set up. So we're talking about that today. But a braking system is important. And like I said, you need to speak to your... There's no point going and buying a trailer and spending $12,000 and your boat's too heavy and you get done for not having the right braking system because just your normal manual steering, uh, your manual braking system that runs through the trailer isn't good enough because yep. if you're traveling down to Eden Pat and you've gone down those big hills and you've got, say for instance, my boat on the back. And if you don't have the right braking system, that'll end up literally over the top of your car. It will seriously cause you massive grief if you do not have them set up properly. And like you said, with your weights and whatnot, if I'm towing to Eden and I fill my boat up with all my camping gear and all my uh, crap in the back of the Ute, everything ready to go. That all actually adds into the weight of on your tow ball weight. So it's yep, actually so you, not just 
So you're three, three and a half ton payload. So all of a sudden you've got three people in the car at average of 100 kilos each, you're down to 3.2. Everything you've got in your car, it continues to reduce the weight in which you can legally tow the, um, buy the vehicle. 100%. And there is so many uh, way stations around the country now where coppers will set up, especially on long weekends, and when they know there's a tournament on, a fishing tournament, they will set up way bridges. And on, well, the way bridges are there. They will set them up and pull you in and weigh your boats. So just to give you guys a little bit of an example of where to get your people, go, where the bloody hell do I go get my boat weighed then? Just to give you a couple of examples, firewood places, where you buy big firewood from. They're a great ex- place that you can pay your $15 and you can go in there with your boat. You don't need to do anything. You can unhitch your, unhitch your trailer. You can weigh the boat by itself to see what the boat and trailer weighs with everything in it. Then you can put it on the car and see what both of it weighs. So trailer uh, fire places are a great place. Sand and soil, another really good place where you can weigh it all. It'll cost you, say, 10 or 15 bucks. They're just two examples of where you can actually go and test if you think you are close to the line on your towing capability. And the reason that we like we've used Red Arc, Red Arc as an example is they've been around for a really long period of time. It's what, you know, majority of your dealerships will recommend because um, they're a really good quality product, quite frankly. So you're sort of starting around your 500 buck mark as, and then it will increase from there, but you've also got to um, uh, calculate into that what it actually costs to install it. It's just but, about to say, it's actually not the product. It's yeah. the auto elect that you need to get in to actually kit the system up in itself. And I know you just went through this, so I'm tipping the wallet's a bit lighter at the moment. Yeah, it is. It is. But at the same time, it's the only way that you can legally and safely ensure that, you know, that you, you, your good hard-earned money that you've just spent on your new boat, you've got to make sure that um, 100%. it's not going to end over the back of the top of your car and be no good if if you want more information on uh on red arc or on towing in itself because red arc have um their website redarc.com.au they've got really great tips yeah Yeah, really great tips around towing as well they take you through with little tutorial videos so it's a tremendous website you and i both checked it out during the weekends while we're talking about it today and it actually takes you through how to set them properly when to use them weights like you said it's a yeah it's a tremendous website the Red Arc is our Reg review for this morning. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get to Red's tip, Redman, during the week or early last week, an Aussie fisherman up north in Queensland, they were stumped after reeling in a massive catch off the southeast coast of Queensland. Uh, Brett Mithvin reeled in a mysterious catch from 300 metres, not knowing what it was. It looked to be some sort of um, overgrown carp or goldfish. But later found out it was a Japanese ruby fish, which are extremely rare and normally live anywhere from 100 to 400 metres. How often do you catch fish, and obviously you spend a huge amount of time in the water, where you're unsure of of its identity because it's quite clear that would for most people that would happen reasonably often and most fisheries departments have great apps now with regards to helping identify fish you you look up the app and you can see the um, the fish identification but for something like this it's quite unique how often do you see fish that you're like geez i'm not sure that's if i've ever seen that before never 
it doesn't happen. Things like that don't happen to me, Pat. <laughs> I, I say this to you. I think we have this conversation once a year, and nothing like this happens to me. I'm so I fish every day of the week, and nothing ever happens. I don't know why. I've I did catch a stargazer once offshore, out of Barwon Heads, which I was a bit. It took me a couple of seconds to realise what it was. Then I realised what it was. But I just don't have any. We'd call it luck in catching rare things or. I get some people that go fish a gummy mark that I've fished for, say, 20 years. I've fished it my whole life, been fishing it flat out. And if I send a mate there that doesn't even fish, goes there, gets a gummy, and catches a 10-kilo snapper. Well, where's that 10-kilo snapper the 20,000 times I've fished it? So for me, it's unlucky. But we do see a lot of rare things come out of the waters. Uh, Particularly we, when you're fishing in, in deep water. like That's right. Th- those that are fishing for, for swordfish, I mean, there's not too many studies on swordfish for a, a simple reason or not as many as other fish, rather, because they're 500 metres down. It's hard and, to access. It's expensive to access. With what's going on with these trailer boats, Pat, with where we're at now with technology, over the next handful of years, say, it's going to be – it's literally going to be extraordinary what we see to come out of these depths. We're seeing these different breeds of thresher sharks come out, poor beagle makos coming out regularly. We're seeing heaps and heaps of different species – coming out of the depths, they're getting big 100-kilo bluefin taking their swordfish baits. So I'm going to keep an eye on it for the next five years, say, and I reckon you're going to start to see a lot more unusual species being caught, especially up, I reckon, that New South Wales coast, where, where a lot of the swords done in that lake's entrance sort of area, up to Mallacoota and whatnot, but Al McGlashan out of Sydney fishing hard for swordfish. I reckon up that way is where we're going to start to see the real unusual stuff happens when we got that eac that pushes up and down up the uh, up and down the coast a hell of a lot so yeah i reckon next five years patrick we're gonna have a bit to talk about on the show let's get to red's tip ribbon what do you have for us for the weekend well the first of all is red's tip this week is don't half finish this job like i have because i ended up in hospital because i'm now <laughs> in trouble off the missus bad but i turned the freezer off last week pat uh my deep freeze. So not my I've got I've got a deep freeze for um miscellaneous items we'll call it when I go fishing. So like whiting frames and and whatnot. And then I've also got uh I've also got another bait freezer which has a stand up bait freezer, which is like um which is like my organized stuff. So the tip this week is don't leave it off like I have for nearly two weeks now to let it defrost and not do anything about it. But just this time of the year is ready is it start again. So if you've got bait and whatnot in the freezer, let's be honest, from last season, it's not going to be great. If yep. you can get hold of a burly mincer, mince up your old stuff, get it into bags for sharks or for flathead in the bay or for gummies, in the, if you like burling for gummies, whatever it is, mince up the old stuff, start fresh because that's exactly what I'm doing because fresh is always best if you're going to lo- start loading up on your snapper baits, whether it's pillies, silver whiting or calamari or garfish. Now's the time of the year to get all that burly minced up, ready to go. Beautiful work. That's red tip. Red's tip. The flying gaff this week heads to New South Wales. There's been illegal sales of blue marlin, which has netted fishermen eleven thousand dollars in fines. Three separate commercial fishermen, Redmond. One of the most beautiful fish in the sea, the beautiful blue marlin. So where we can protect them, it is clearly important. Redmond, you look a little tired. It's time for you to head back to bed. Thanks for your company this morning on really on real adventures. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure you tune in next week. Download our Real Adventures app. You can find it anywhere you download your favourite apps. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.